0: A variety of stuff coming up on the anti Podcast. I was thinking about how I don't tell all my friends and family about my podcast. Now, I'm not ashamed of it, and I like arguing, so it actually would be pretty fun if all my friends and family listened to the podcast. I'm sure half of them would be disagreeing, and then, you know, I would I would beat them down with the facts I mean, if they even wanted to argue, I mean, they, they wouldn't. They wouldn't want to. They they know how I am, and they know they know they wouldn't want to get in an argument with, with me. It wouldn't be fun. I'd be bringing up stats, and they wouldn't have stats. And you know, like I always have the um, the coup de grace, which is that you know the Black Lives Matter movement caused the murder of ten thousand black people. So I'm on the side of not causing the murder of black people, and that leaves you on the side of causing the murder of black people. And would you like to look at the stats? Anyways, anyways, no one wants to get in on that. But, uh, you know, friends and family, uh, you treat them nice. I treat my friends and my family very, very nice. And so, except for a few of them, I just don't even tell them that I have a podcast. And that's, whatever, that's one way to treat your friends nicely. If you don't have anything that someone would enjoy, enjoy hearing, just don't say it. But so, I, I might be missing one, but I think like the last three mass shootings were... You know, Uvalde, Texas, a Hispanic man, um, it was a mass stabbing and it was Canada, but anyways, that was some Native American men. And then Memphis had an honest, I haven't mentioned this one, Memphis had an honest to God black man go around and do a real mass shooting the other day, maybe, maybe a week ago. Like, I think he started off with some people that he knew, you know, normally, you know, I've said before, anyways, about 80% of mass shootings are done by African Americans but it's usually people they know, so it's not as scary, it's not as good a news item to hear about someone who killed his whole family, or who killed, you know, seven people at a barbecue. I'm going to exaggerate, and they really, seven people shot at a barbecue would be very common, not killed. It'd be like seven shot, you know, one dead, a child. But in any case, the ones that have gotten in the news, to a greater or lesser extent, have been Hispanic... Native American, black. And obviously the mainstream media is not hyping these things up at all. And you know, uh, to steal man the opposition, the one before, the fourth one, the, if you said the last four of them, the, the one before that was the Buffalo shooting where it was an actual white supremacist. A guy who's like, I believe the white race is a good, whatever, is better than black people or something, whatever he said. He said something like that. And then he went and shot a bunch of black people. Which really gives you the, you know, it's like the, what is that in poker? I was gonna say a flush. No, it's four of a kind. You know, you get each one of each suit, you got uh, white, Hispanic, Native American, black. So that'd be kinda of be like clubs, suits. Sorry, spades. Wait, don't say that. Hearts diamonds, anyways. So I don't know. It's kinda of funny doing a podcast like so I'm three minutes in and it was all because I just had one thought. I just had one thought, and apparently it takes me three minutes of BS. Before I can get to my one thought. But the question would be, you know, to my friends and family, like if I were to ask them, would you like to know that, you know, white people and America and the cops are not responsible for any of the stuff that Black Lives Matter accuses them of, and that systemic racism is a bunch of horseshit, and you have been falsely accused of being racist? I think the answer my friends and family would have, I mean, if they let themselves speak frankly, would be, fuck no, I don't want to know that. I don't want to know that I'm innocent and that white people are innocent. Are you crazy? Like, I am very happy thinking that America is racist and that systemic racism is a real thing and I'm a part of it. Like, that, that, that is the status quo. That is perfect. That is exactly what I want to be believing. Don't try and upset the apple cart and tell me that that stuff ain't true. If we're all guilty, then none of us is guilty, and my job is secure. So please do not tell me any facts I don't want to know. I was thinking about housing and renting and the price of that, and it made me think of a guy I used to work with, an electrician. Very nice guy, and um, he owned, you know, he owned his own house. He's probably in his, he's probably in his late forties, and. He also owned several rental properties, and so like not everyone can do what this guy could do. Um, basically, if you're an electrician, not only can you do that stuff, and maybe even have the license to do it when you're not legally allowed to do it otherwise, but um, you know, up and up, up, you know, not including super, you know, industrial or commercial plumbing. An electrician can do plumbing. They know how to do carpentry. They know how to do everything. Like if you're an electrician, you learn concrete to roofing and everything in between on a house. You just, it just comes up, comes up in your day-to-day job and you learn about it. Let me talk about that for a second before we go to renting in houses. And like I worked on a job, I was an electrician and we worked on a, a assisted living or whatever, a memory care. It was a memory care. So it was for people who had no brains left from dementia. And we, our company did the electrical to build the building, giant building, it's kind of interesting. Uh, in Oregon, they have a bunch of codes like, you know, there's maximum codes when it comes to memory care. It's just, it's just, a step below a hospital. It's a lot of the same stuff as a hospital basically. And so one thing that memory care buildings cannot have is a second story. So that was kind of interesting. You know, they, they wanted a lot of rooms they are building this giant place. They're going to take in a lot of demented old people. Um, but anyways they couldn't build up so it was all it was all one story the whole place and i don't know i think that's almost every building code is related to fire somehow so it must be if you got an extra story it's going to be hard to get these demented old people from the second story to the ground floor and out of the building in case of a fire i think that's why they did it but in any case they brought they uh yeah there's a general contractor who hires different companies to do each of the things. You know, they hire a concrete company to do the slab, etc. And so they hired a, co- a company to do the framing, which is the, you know, put up the two by fours and there's a lot of metal framing. Anyway, it was commercial. But anyways, put up the put up the frame for the building. And I think, I can't remember, I, I'm in southern Oregon, so I think, I can't remember, I think they're from Seattle, but they might have been from Portland. But anyways, the company they hired is some giant company that does stuff, I think all over the country, And so those people, you know, came down and stayed in hotel rooms and worked on it. And they drove, who knows what, 250 miles or 400 miles, depending on what city they came from, to come down and do it. And, like, you'd think they'd be super good at what they're doing and super professional. It was a giant company and they traveled a long ways. So here's the interesting thing. Like, I was actually, I was an electrician apprentice at the time, so I didn't know Jack. But, um... Anyways, the electrician is there and you know, he's, he's doing, you know, you got to come in, you got to come in, you know, maybe once a week, you got to do this little thing at this stage of the building. You know, you don't, you don't just go in and do it all at once. Like, you know, you do the slab before the slab, you got to put in the underground, et cetera. It doesn't matter, but you just occasionally go there instead of staying there the whole time. And so the electrician in charge of it was like, you guys are doing the framing all wrong. Like not wrong. It was going to mess up the electrical, but like you guys are not going to pass the codes. Um, you're doing the framing wrong. And the framers were like, I don't know. They didn't say screw you to his face or anything, but anyways, they just kept doing it the way they were doing it. And then the building inspector came, and he's like, you got to tear out all this crap. They had to cut up all this concrete. They had to redo, you know, a ton of stuff. You know, 10 men had to work for a couple weeks or something to fix the stuff that the my... My electrician boss told them you ain't doing it right. And I've had similar things happen. Not so much on houses, but on commercial jobs and industrial jobs. But in any case, I just tell that little bit of a story to tell you that like an electrician, if you've been doing like, if you're an electrician after a number of years, you can do it all. And so one thing you could do is you could be a landlord, like a super good landlord. You, you-, you know what the problem is. You're going to understand what the problem is. And in fact, you can probably just fix the problem yourself. And so this other electrician that I used to work with a lot, he was a, you know, he had his own house and I'm not sure. I think maybe he had like three rental properties. And then, you know, he, he was always complaining about, oh, he yeah, has to go fix the plumbing there. There's a leak in the roof. Anyways, he would just keep, he was the maintenance man also. And he was like super good at it. He's better than the maintenance man you could hire. But here's the long story short, already too long point, which is that, so that guy owned four, single family homes. And so one of them he was paying for with his own job, but the other three, the renters were buying the houses for him. And so this is kind of how money talks and bullshit walks, but it just shows you it's easy. It's like once you, once you get yourself into a certain position, it's easy. You know, you got one house. Hey, get a second house. Oh, two. It's even easier. Get a third. Oh, three. Hell, it's simple Simon, to get a fourth. And so the hurdle is going from zero to one. To go from zero houses to one house, that's a real bitch. To go from, you know, I mean, imagine if you had 100 houses. If for some reason you had 100 houses, to go from 100 to 101, that's crazy easy. It just gets easier. I think it just doesn't uh, bode well for America where people can just, I don't know, grab all these houses for themselves and then you leave a bunch of people paying super high rent. I mean, it was fine when rent was lower, but... When rent is super high i don't know i haven't talked to that guy in a while but i bet i bet he's been able to like double his rent and i'm sure he got a fixed rate mortgage you know 10 years ago so he's like well he must be raking it in now that's that's uh, whatever and he's a hard worker i'll tell you what he gets up early he works all day and he goes to bed and repeats it so i mean he kind of deserves it but boy you got to you you got to get up early and you got to start 20 years ago to beat this guy there's been some new news in the BYU-Duke volleyball hate crime hoax story that I mentioned the other day. Uh, African-American volleyball player said that they were screaming the N-word at her during a game at BYU in Utah. BYU is a Mormon school, I think. Maybe she thought, you know, these fucking Mormons are a bunch of racists or something. That's maybe why she made it up the story. And As I mentioned before, it's impossible to prove a negative, but... Uh, so BYU, like the first day or whatever, the day after it happened, BYU came out. They made a statement. They had someone get in front of the crowd at BYU and say, "We will not stand for racism. We, you know, we we racism is running amok, and we will not stand for it." And that's all standard fare. But here's the interesting thing: BYU. I mean, they must be there. They almost are a bunch of racists or whatever because. They did an incredibly thorough investigation. So they interviewed, like, you know, all the players on each team. They interviewed the coaches. They interviewed the fans. They interviewed the cops, the security. They interviewed everyone. They interviewed everyone they could get their hands on. None of them heard it except for the one black girl. And they went through and they watched every bit of video. I mean, you know, I think the whole game is recorded, but I'm sure they found. Like, hey, you got a cell phone video and you put it on Facebook? Whatever. They went through every bit of video that they could possibly get their hands on. And so they put out a statement a couple days ago. Okay, I didn't mention, so there's a fan who was thrown out. There's a there's a fan who was falsely accused of being the one screaming the N-word. And so I don't know exactly. I mean, here's the interesting part. So I don't know exactly how BYU was thinking about this stuff. But the way they, they kind of said, we apologize to the fan... And then they're like, because we went through every single thing you could ever possibly do to show that this lady was lying. But I think, you know, you know, a few months after George Floyd was murdered, if this kind of thing ha- had happened, BYU would not be like, oh, let's look into this. They just would have said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, there are some racists around here. And they would have said, and, you know, and, le- and let's never speak of this. Let's not investigate it. In fact, let- let's speak of this. Let's have marches and protests. But let's not investigate this. And so, like, investigating stuff can bring back the wrong result, which is what happened in this case, right? The, the right result would be racism is rampant in America. But they did, a, they did an investigation and found out, uh, at least in this case, there was no racism. And I've talked about this, but there's been a bunch of other uh, college campus hate crime hoaxes where the colleges are, like, still backing up the hoax. Like, you know, they'll, like, lose a lawsuit for... Ten million dollars, and they're still like we're still we still support the hoaxer. So, anyways, BYU just pointing out that it was a hoax. That's the first time I ever heard of that from a college, and I don't know. This is probably not turning over over a new leaf for colleges, but it's pretty interesting. I mean, hell, if it just happens occasionally, occasionally, that's that's perfect. I love it. Uh, and I guess last time I talked about, it, I didn't know as much. So apparently, her godmother is someone. You know, there's a black woman, old black woman, who's uh, running for office somewhere. and But she's a big dog on Twitter. And she has like a history of, you know, white this and white that. Whites are evil. And so she went on Twitter and she said that every time this black girl served, the N-word was called out. I don't think the girl specifically said that. I mean, anyways, the only thing I know that the girl said, so the girl got on ESPN soon thereafter. And they're like, what happened? She's like, well, you know, I think this is a good opportunity. She said the words, you know, in quotes, good opportunity. She's like, this is a good opportunity to show you that, I forget how she said it exactly, but that, you know, racism is still rampant in America. Which, you know, if, I don't know, that makes it, that sounds like someone who's doing a hoax. That's what they would say. Like, I thought if I did this lie, then I could make a a statement about America, and it would be wonderful. She's like, this is a good opportunity to do this hoax and prove America racist. Oh, right. And then the South Carolina women's college basketball um, team refused to go play at BYU because they're like, you're racist. I think that's everything. I think there'll be more. I think there's more coming. I don't know. Like, Are people going to heckle this girl? (laughs) I think, you know, if you give me a couple beers, I went to a a Duke volleyball game and you gave me a couple of beers I wouldn't be saying no racial slurs but I think I'd be heckling the hell out of her maybe I'd be saying good opportunity good opportunity So I mentioned colleges getting found out to be making hate crime hoaxes and then getting sued for a ton of money millions of dollars and then standing by it so that that happened recently it was Oberlin College in Ohio And I don't know much about them. I think they're kind of famous for being a woke college. I think maybe they were the first college in America to let women go. Or maybe it was a women's college to let men go. Or maybe it was to integrate with race. I think it was gender, though. But anyways, they've been woke for a long time. I mean, you wouldn't think Ohio, but you never know. But they had this huge thing that blew up. And it it was before George Floyd. It was kind of a, whatever, getting ready for George Floyd. I think the town there is called Oberlin, and then they have a bakery. They have some bakery there that's been there for, you know, family-owned bakery, been there for a hundred years, or I think longer. And for whatever reason, the guy who runs the bakery, he later dies of cancer, but anyways, the guy who runs the bakery, he is not fond of shoplifters. And there was a podcast, What, what podcast did I listen to about this? Okay, it was Honestly with Barry Weiss, Good podcast. But anyways, the way that podcast goes, it's like NPR, it's like an anti-woke NPR where they tell it like a story. So basically, I've already ruined like the fact that the guy gets cancer is that was one of the punchlines. So anyways, if you don't, if you if you want to listen to it in the best way possible, stop now and go listen to that. I'm sure you'll just keep going here. But anyways, the guy who runs it, he's not fond of shoplifters, and he just has a rule that uh, every shoplifter they turn him into the cops. And so I think three black students went into Oberlin, they like stuffed a bunch of wine up their shirts, and then tried to buy one bottle of wine or something with a fake ID, and he's like, that's fake, and you got a bunch of wine up your shirts. And so they ran out of there, and he chased after them, I think they got to a park, I don't know, I don't know, got to somewhere, it was him, the three black kids from Oberlin College, and... You know, they say that he was the one attacking them, and that he's the evil villain, and then he says it was them beating the shit out of him. Anyways, when the cops arrive, it's three black kids beating the shit out of this older white man. Alright, let's find the clip. And okay. as soon as I figure why out what's going isn't he on. Why is he being arrested? Because he, atta- he held me. And there are witnesses that can confirm that he attacked me and choked me. That's what everybody's... street and chased me. That's what everybody's writing, uh, uh, So why am I only being arrested and he's not? Well, when I got here, everybody was on top of him beating him. <laughs> because he was trying to kill me. Okay, just relax. You're going to die. Because I'm scared of police. I'm a black man in custody of a police car. Really? I've, I've never been to the back of a police guard. I'm, well, I'm not gonna, scared. I'm, I haven't hurt anybody in my life. I'm so scared. But so the upshot of all of this is that the bakery sued Oberlin College. They got $36 million. That went to appeal, and I think the appeal said the judgment stands. I don't think they've got the money yet. We'll wait and see and because the kids were black the college started making accusations of racism and they started protesting in front of the bakery and preventing people from going into the bakery i think the bakery used to make a lot of their money by selling baked goods to the college that got stopped and you know if you're college if you're a college and your kids go do a bunch of murders you're not liable for it but um People who work for the administration of the college got involved, and I think they were promoting protests in front of the bakery. They were going to protest in front of the bakery, so it was kind of like the college was protesting also. And uh, the man and wife who owned the bakery, they thought, well, all we need to do is we just need to get these kids to, you know, plead guilty to shoplifting. And I don't know if they got charged with assault. I think they got charged with something more minor than assault. And then this whole thing will go away. But anyways... Those kids did plead guilty, and so... But anyway, that was not the end of it. You're still a racist. Just because they shoplifted, and just because they were beating your ass, you're still a racist. You deserve it. And usually these big judgments get overturned on appeal, but they've already done appeal, so uh, maybe this one will stand. I, I feel like somehow it still will not stand. But it'd be pretty funny if the college has to pay $36 million. I don't think it could set a precedent where... Colleges who support hate crime hoaxes have to pay money. But, I don't know, that'd be cool. That'd be a nice precedent. I don't think that's what's happening here. Uh, I guess, yeah, the reason why it was important that the guy died of cancer in the middle of this court proceedings, it took at least three years. um, Whatever, people were calling him a racist the whole time, so... He died. He never got to hear that he wasn't a racist. I, I mean, I doubt... I think everyone is just like, let's never speak of that again, that false accusation. But, you know, he never got vindicated while he was alive. And the other thing that was kind of funny, it's like, I mean, America's not racist. So when you go around calling people racist, you're going to be accusing a person who's not racist of being racist. And just depending on how, whatever. If you just do that enough times, you're going to catch the wrong person. And so they're like, this... Bakery is racist. They're like this bakery has a history of racism. They've been racist for a hundred years or whatever horse shit they were saying that was completely false. You know, just the stuff you would say while you're in the front of a building protesting. But just of all people to pick, it turns out that uh the guy's dad was like a you know, white guy, was a super civil rights person who like helped the black community at every chance he got and like when they had the trial, they were able to get like, you know, like old black men to come up and be like yeah I know i you know i know I know the guy I know the previous owner I know the current owner they're not racist at all. they've been helping the black community like to the utmost for the last fifty years and obviously you know if you're a black lives matter person, you don't want to hear about that like you are looking for someone to call racist I mean, that's it that's the that's the beginning and the end and the middle of the whole thing that you're doing is you're looking for someone to call racist. And to find out that they're actually, you know, marched with Martin Luther King or some shit like that, (laughs) you don't want to hear that. And you don't care. You're still a racist. In fact, you know, you're a racist. Don't tell me about that time you marched with Martin Luther King. I mean, I don't think these people did it. They did the, the, you know, know, these white people were like the, the friends of Martin Luther King in Ohio or whatever. I don't know. It just makes it funny. It amuses me. Actually, you know what's funny about that is that if it wasn't their bakery... They probably would have been at the next-door bakery protesting in front of them because they were such advocates for black people. They would have been the ones making the false accusations. But anyways, they got stuck on the other end of the stick. Twitter handle, at Anti-Woke Podcast, and thanks for listening.